Welcome to Not Your Average Mother Runner Podcast. My name is Lisa, and this is not just a podcast about running. This is a podcast to empower women through fitness and health and everything in between. Because let's be honest, ladies, this journey could suck if we don't get our shit together. Welcome back to Not Your Average Mother Runner Podcast. Today's guest is Nina Blue. Hi, Nina. Hello. I'm so glad to have you here. And I want everyone to know that the way Nina and I met (laughs) is kind of crazy. Right? So um, Nina and I are blowing it up on TikTok land. Just saying for all you people, you TikTok haters, we're blowing it up in TikTok land. And we... Uh, she followed me and she reached out on my Instagram page and um, I had the opportunity to hear her voice. And I was like, whoa, this woman is amazing. So that's how we met. And her story is is uh, very important to tell. Um, and I'm glad that she's here to do that. So, Nina, why don't you introduce yourself to the listeners? Well, hi, I'm Nina. Um, I am a singer-songwriter. I'm currently in school for songwriting. I'm slowly starting to release music. Um, The first song that I released is a song called Counting. It's been a passion project of mine for a while. Uh, It's a story that's really near and dear to my heart, and it involves domestic violence. Um, It's not a happy story, but I think one of the powers of music is that we can tell not so happy stories and that we can get the word out. Yeah. And that's how I, you know, how, how we started talking was because of that song. Um, but before we talk more about that, where, where, are you, where are you from? So I am from Houston, Texas. I'm currently kind of stranded in the Austin area thanks to COVID, um, which, is, which is fine. Um, but yes, very proud Houston girl, born and raised. Wow. Okay. And um, how did you start singing? I mean, was this like the story where I was singing out of the womb? I mean, <laughs> basically, um, yeah, I, I think maybe in the womb. I don't know. You'd have to ask my mother. Um, but <laughs> my grandmother was a professional pianist. And uh, on, on my mother's side of the family and on my father's side of the family, my grandfather was a very talented baritone. Um, and so I just remember like my earliest memories and we still have the piano downstairs and, and I'm doing a lot of classwork on it right now, which is really wonderful. Um, I remember sitting on that piano bench and singing along to whatever my grandmother was playing. And she was the kind of person you could hum a tune to her and she could play it back to you immediately. Um, she was from Panama from Central America. And so I was very early on introduced to a wide variety of music I was introduced to Latin American styles of music but also really big Broadway tunes because she loved them and and classical music I still I still tear up when I hear um certain Chopin pieces because that was her favorite composer and uh and I think I was able to sing like the entire soundtrack of My Fair Lady by the time I was four years old wow okay so it's in your genes it's it's genetic yes 
very okay. much. All right. And I just learned something new. So you have some Latina in you. A little bit. Yeah. Woo woo. Okay. I know. I know. It's <laughs> my All right. So I asked you a little bit about your background and, you know, you mentioned that you had a pretty, you, you, st- you stated here, you had a pretty eclectic career in your twenties. Can you talk a little bit about that? I've, you know, um, I've, I've been lost for quite a long time. Um, I think part of that happened. I lost my grandmother when like right before I turned 18. Mm -hmm. Um, and with that, I felt like I kind of lost the music too. And so I started to, to make decisions that other people wanted me to make instead of chasing my passion. So I, I majored in something that I will never use. That's not true. You use, you use all of your life experiences, um, but but still, it wasn't what I wanted to do. Um, and then I just kind of wandered career paths. Um, my resume is extremely eclectic. <laughs> um, and yeah, I just kind of wandered until last year. I was really trying to jump on a presidential primary after I had been part of a um, whether it was successful or not is, is up to anyone. I was part of a Senate race, a statewide Senate race, and we lost. Um, but I was trying to jump on a presidential primary and I couldn't get any traction, couldn't get any traction. I was trying to jump on any primary, really, or um, or start, you know, working on issue-based politics as opposed to, like, campaign-based politics. And, um, and on my birthday, I was in Washington, D.C., visiting my brother and a few friends. It was pouring down rain and my Uber wouldn't cross the street to come get me. So I had to run across the street in the pouring rain and I was struck by a car Mm. as a pedestrian. I went up on the hood and I came crashing down with an entire new reality. I I rolled through the wet concrete. Um, I had my phone in my hand and it like flew out and I don't know how it managed to go unscathed. Mm. It's like the most bizarre thing. Like sometimes you can just drop it on your kitchen floor, but I was hit by a car and it was fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I had severe, severe physical trauma and mental trauma. And um, it was like two weeks later, people were asking me, what jobs have you applied for? What are you doing right now? And it's like, I, I haven't even dealt with how I'm going to pay this exorbitant bill that I now have because the person hit and ran. I had to go to the hospital and Mm. I was between gigs. I didn't have any insurance. And so it was just this constant barrage. And I was bedridden for the longest time and I was on crutches and then I was limping. I couldn't walk correctly. Like just the way that the trauma set in my leg, it just would not move. Mm. It was swollen forever. Um, And so I, I started to go to physical therapy and I started to get a little better. But through this whole process, the one thing I had was writing. Like that was it. Like I could write 8,000 words in a day of just like word vomit or prose, or I could spend hours on a stanza or on a lyric. I could sit up and play guitar. These were the like basic things that I could do. And, and I found some power in being able to do something because when you're in that position, you feel so powerless, especially like your friends are moving on. They're doing great things with their lives. Like all of my, my dearest friends that I made on this campaign, like they were all doing such big, great things. And, and I was, I was stuck. I was stuck at home in bed, you know, just trying to get incrementally better. 
And so all I had was writing. And, um, and I remember I, I went through the interview process for like the one campaign that I wanted. Like, this was it. This was the big deal. This was everything. It was in Iowa. It was going to be the caucuses. Like, yes, like, let's go. And, um, my first interview felt really good. My second interview went a little wonky. And I remember thinking, if I don't get this, then we need to pursue this passion that I've been doing the last three months. And so um, I didn't get it. <laughs> it was the most dejected I think I'd ever felt in my entire life. I remember just like laying flat out on the couch, staring at the ceiling, like, wow, no, not getting, not getting anything, no traction. Um, and I was like, okay, it's, it's time to do this. And my first thought was I need to go back to school because I have no contacts in this area. And so I applied to, to school for songwriting and I got in and I remember just like sobbing in my car because I checked my email and I saw my acceptance email because I hadn't been home that day to, to see the mail. Um, and I remember sobbing in my car and I called my mom and she was driving. She was on her way to Houston. She's driving and, um, and I'm sobbing and you know, it's, it's never good when you pick up the phone and your daughter's sobbing. And so the first thing out of my mouth is I'm okay. These are happy tears. <laughs> <laughs> and, and she's like, Oh my God, you scared me. I was like, I know that's why that's my first sentence. <laughs> <laughs> and so then I continued, I was like, I, I got in, I got into school. And I remember just sobbing saying like, my songs mean something. They mean something. And, and this means something. And that was sort of like, the first step towards maybe I can do this and maybe this is my path forward. Yeah. And what school did you get accepted in? I'm at Berkeley College of Music. Unbelievable. That's yep. wow. Okay. And you know, it's funny when uh, you, it's so funny that you're talking like this because I can totally relate even as a woman in my forties. Um, when you do something that you're not meant to be in, it doesn't flow as easy. But when you go towards no. the right and it, when you go towards a path of where you need to be, it's like, you know, like you just said, you got accepted and it's like it's all falling into place. And that that's how, you know, you're on the right path. Right. Or maybe just the obstacles don't seem as high. Right. right. Like Maybe it's all about perspective. Like when you're really passionate about something, is it that is it that like, is it a mountain or a molehill? Right. It's, it might be a molehill because of your mentality. Cause you're like, if this is what I have to do to get past this place, like, let's do it. Let's go. Whereas, you know, on the campaign, it's like this person called me and I have to deal with this now. Oh my God. <laughs> and it was like, the world is ending constantly. And then you get into a place of just like complete nihilism where you're just yeah. like, yeah, that things is happen. That is a great way. That's another great way to look at it. I mean, I, yeah. I didn't even think of it as that um, to look at it in that way. It's a different type of perspective. Okay, so you got in. And so, you know, how was that like, you know, and how does that work? Like, do you take songwriting classes? Like, how does that work? Yeah, yeah. Actually, I'm, I'm in a songwriting class right now. I was in a songwriting class last semester. Um, so my first semester was like kind of really basic, like theory and stuff like that and, and foundations and, and just making sure that you have an ear for music and learning things like movable dough and, and solfege and things like that. And then um, you level up and you do get to start taking songwriting classes. So the first songwriting class I took was songwriting harmony. 
um, who I had a fantastic professor for that. Right now I'm in songwriting melody and I have a fantastic professor for that. And yeah, every week you have to churn out a song every wow. single week. It is stressful. Wow. Okay, <laughs> and I'm taking so... nine other hours. Too. <laughs> wow. Okay. So let's talk just yeah. a little bit about that before we go into the song that you wrote. What is, and I'm sure you've been asked this and you all, you know, everyone hears it on TV. Like what is the process when you are writing? So let's not even talk about the, the school because that's, that's a whole different beast that you have to write a a, a song. Okay. So let's talk about something that you, you yourself want to write a song. So what's the process? Is it that you, you sit in a dark room and you start feeling the emotions and you start writing or do you write a narrative? How does that all come together for you? Um, inspiration strikes when it strikes. Uh, I don't ever force it. And I think just because it just happens enough that I don't feel the need to. Um, so David Bowie did this thing called cut ups, where he saved every single thing that he wrote, and he would take all of that and then cut it into pieces and piece together songs to make different things. So I've done that when I've just had like a couplet come to mind or something, you know, I have like this whole file that's just called cut ups. And it's 16 pages long. (laughs) And um, yeah, and then sometimes there's an idea for a song. So um, sometimes I'm inspired by poetry. Sometimes I'm inspired by something that I've I've seen on the news, like a really inspirational story. Um, Sometimes I'm inspired by a friend telling me something. And a lot of times I'm inspired by like my own, just kind of what has happened to me. Uh, which is a little less likely. I feel like there's this this mythos that everything a songwriter writes about happened to them. Like we're not mm-hmm. storytellers like every other creative on this planet. You right. know, I liken it. So my favorite book of all time is The Great Gatsby. And you're telling me that things in that book didn't happen to F. Scott Fitzgerald when he's talking about that girl crying on top of a piano in a yellow dress. You're telling me he just came up with that. He didn't see it. But that doesn't mean that the whole work of art isn't a work of fiction just because there are realistic things in it. So sometimes there are pieces of things that I have experienced um, within a song and then there aren't. And and sometimes I'm just telling somebody else's story because I I feel the need to, or I feel inspired to. So do you do like, and some artists do this where like you say, you know, you're writing it down, but like, let's say you're just walking around in the street or at a store. Do you have like something on your phone? Do you put it on your phone? Notes app is okay. everything. Notes app is where everything starts. It's where all of like the baby ideas are. And then they graduate to Google Docs. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. That's so cool. I love that. You are a, a songwriter. I mean, when an idea comes in your head and then you put it down, uh, it's kind of like what I do with ideas for, you know, for the podcast. I put everything on my phone and I'll wait. Sometimes I yes. wake up with the idea. I'm like, ooh, I got to mm-hmm. put that down. Right. Um, It feels like a download sometimes of like, just suddenly you're struck. And this happens to me all the time when I'm driving. And I think it's because like, it's really, it's mindless, but I have to focus on it, right? Like, I'm not doing other things. I'm not thinking about like, you know, I'm thinking about just random things and and your brain's just kind of going, you're not really, you're focused on the road, but you're not really focused on anything else. Maybe you're listening to a good song. Maybe you're listening to a good podcast, whatever's going on. It's happened to me so many times um, that an idea for a song has come to me while I'm driving. And I'm like, I have to pull over or I will lose this. And I've been singing it to myself 
And I'm like, I need to pull over as safely as possible. And I just keep repeating. I keep repeating the line. I keep repeating it out loud. I turn off the radio and I keep repeating it until I can safely pull over and get out the notes app or get out the voice memos app and just record or, um, or write down whatever has just come to me. That is amazing. I love that. All right. So now let's talk about the song. So you have mm-hmm. a song that is on your Instagram page as well as on TikTok. And it, first of all, your voice is freaking amazing. It is just beautiful. Um, and the song, well, I'm going to have you talk a little bit about the song. What What's the title of the song? So the song is called Counting, um, and it's also the full version is up on my SoundCloud page, um, which is linked through my Instagram. Uh, it's really hard to put links in things on Like, they make it really difficult. Like, the link is in the comments of my TikTok, but mm-hmm. they just make it hard to put links everywhere. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, so the song is, is Counting, and it is about a true story. Um, my mom was telling me about this jackass that she knew in high school. Um, and I said, well, what happened to this guy? And she goes, oh, he's in Huntsville prison serving a lifetime sentence. And I said, what? She said, yeah, he shot his wife in the head five times. Mm. Complete overkill. And I was really shocked by that. And I think I was kind of coming to terms with what had happened in my own life. And, um, And it didn't sit well with me for a really long time. And I don't think that the idea for counting, like I didn't just suddenly sit down and write counting. Like as soon as I heard that, you know, her, there was something about her that spoke to me and, um, and her story and the, the theory was she was, she was leaving that night. And that's what led to that is is she, she's finally had enough. And, um, and there was something that just really hurt in my soul about it. And it was driving that I had the idea for the chorus, which is one, two, three, four. She's lying on the kitchen floor, five, six, seven, eight. It's not just her spirit that he's going to break. And I, again, there are pieces of myself um, in, in every song that I write. I've counted through pain. I've been in those moments where I'm like, if I can just slow down time and I can just count, it'll be over with. And so that's part of the inspiration for that um, is, is what is that pain like? And what is that experience like? You just have to get through it. Right. And if, if just closing your eyes and counting is how you do it, then that's how you do it. Um, so that's kind of the inspiration for that. The, um, the chorus came to me immediately and the finale came to me immediately because so in the finale, I changed, I changed the story. Um, that she got to the gun first and that she was able to live her life because I so, I so desperately wanted to change the story because it's what she deserved. Mm -hmm. And I wanted such a deep topic to end kind of on a note of hope, but also Mm -hmm. not because now she's had to do this in order to be free. It, It shouldn't have taken that much. Right. You know, she should have gotten help. Someone should have helped her. But these were in the days where if you called the police about a domestically violent situation, they would say, we don't get involved. Mm-hmm. They would not get involved until someone was killed. It was yeah. back in those days. Right. So, right. yeah. So it was, she had few options available to her. 
And yet she was still making this really brave decision and she wasn't even able to go through with it. And so um, the chorus or the, I'm sorry, the verse didn't really continue about she's tired until after my accident when I just had had a really just bad, bad day. And it was one of those days where like depression won, man, PTSD won. Like I, I, I gave it to them that day. I was in the shower and it was the only comforting thing was hot water. Mm-hmm. And that was the most comfort I'd felt all day. And I was right. in serious physical pain. Um, and I wasn't getting the good drugs anymore because it had been enough time past my accident, but um, right. I'm, I'm still pretty much daily in pain. Um, but I was in pain. I, the light at the end of the tunnel just seemed really, really dim or non-existent that day. And I thought, God, I'm so tired. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden it was like, bam, lightning struck. I was like, she's tired because you get so beaten down. Right. And I could relate to that feeling. I know that feeling of being so beaten down that you're just tired. Right. Right. So the the premise is obviously it's a woman who is a domestic uh, abuse survivor, right? Because you said that she survived um, uh, the, you know, the situation. Um, and we talked a lot about because obviously you heard the story and you felt something, you felt a connection. Mm-hmm. And we talked a little bit about that before. Um, we decided to do the podcast. Um, and, and what would, could you share a little bit about that? Because you said that there was that connection you knew, and you said that there's things that she, you know, the counting you can relate to. So would you be okay with sharing a little bit about that as much as you feel comfortable sharing? Yeah. Um, I have faced emotional abuse and neglect. Um, and it was something that really, really did a number on me. And I think was also part of the reason I spent so many years kind of lost Um, because in that I, so it's, it's not a Venn diagram. Um, Everyone who's been physically abused has been emotionally abused. And, and so everyone has faced that. And I'd like to um, shout out to the LGBTQ community because there's not enough research on what happens to us within partner abuse. And, um, and that's something that needs to be talked about more. And we also don't talk about the emotional abuse that men face. Uh, we know statistically that most abusers were abused. Mm-hmm. And so by not including everyone in the conversation, we're worsening what's happening. And so just a quick shout out, um, I'm going to use gender neutral pronouns so that mm-hmm. everyone can relate. Um, my abuser was someone who would gaslight me and negate my emotions to the degree that I thought I was crazy. Um, and then I, th- I feel like it was worth being such a creative person because when I daydream, it's like cinematic. Like there are subplots, there is dialogue, like this is what's happening. And so I w- this person would literally convince me that I had made things up in my head. And I was like, I mean, I'm, I'm really, I, I don't think so. I'm really creative that. Could I have? Could, and so I was convinced that I was crazy, that I was overdramatic, um, that I wasn't in control of my emotions, that my emotions didn't matter. And these created some really, really toxic traits in my life that I lived with and suppressed and buried up until I couldn't. 
when I had PTSD and I had so much trauma in my body physically and from that accident that all of those things just kept coming back. Mm -hmm. And so I had to face what I had been through. Yeah. And, um, and I had to face all of the ugly things that they had said to me that I had internalized and believed about myself because the really ugly and insidious thing about emotional abuse is that you start to do it to yourself mm-hmm. before they can even get to you. You start to gaslight yourself. You uh, maybe, maybe not, you know, or, or, Oh no, this could be happening. Or um, I'm really, really good at negating my own emotions. So um, a friend of mine could hurt my feelings by saying something. And I would never say anything about it because I'd be like, well, you know, she had a couple of drinks and she's going through this and she's doing that, you know, like she's going through something and, and she loves me. She deep down, she loves me. So she's allowed to say whatever she wants to me. Mm -hmm. So now we're in a place where we go, okay, yeah, she's going through all that and she does love me, but she still hurt my feelings and we don't get to negate that. Both things can be true. And so that was, that was a big, big healing moment for me of like, being empathetic toward the person that hurt me, but still being able to feel the hurt instead of saying, well, I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to internalize this. It's fine. It's fine. You know, I I don't want confrontation. I'll just, you know, just pretend it didn't happen and just keep things quiet because when things are quiet, things are peaceful, things are better. And that's not necessarily true, but that's what I had to do to survive. Yeah. You know, Nina, you, well, first of all, you said a lot and I want to thank you for sharing that. Um, and I know that's, this is not easy for you. Um, but you said something that we do need to just say a little bit more about the LGBTQ community. We don't talk about that. And it's funny that you mentioned that, well, it's not really funny, but that is something that I have experienced, you know, uh, not directly, but someone that I knew, um, that went through their own domestic violence in that community. And, you know, I don't think that people are educated enough that, hey, uh, it happens, <laughs> you know, first of all. It anybody. Anyone. Anybody. Yes, anybody. And I feel that, it, it, and when the woman who was dealing with this situation, you know, um, was being questioned by the police because she came to my house for help, mm-hmm. um, the, I stayed outside to listen because I don't feel the the police were very educated to understand that this can happen in this community. Um, yeah. And I wanted to make sure that she was being respected and protected. Um, fortunately, th- they did their due diligence in giving her, you know, the proper respect. But I'm so glad you brought that up because that it, like you said, it can happen to any to every anybody you know, um, and that is something that, you know, we do need to talk more about when we, we talk about domestic violence, because, you know, we think domestic violence, man and woman, that's what we think. Yeah. We don't think of, of anything else besides that. Um, yeah. so I'm glad you said that. And then the other thing I wanted to also talk about was the, the emotional abuse. That's another area that I am a big proponent because, you can't, and I was just talking to someone about this, and physical abuse, you see scars, you you can see it. Um, and other types of abuse, you can see it. Um, it's hard with emotional abuse, and it, it's so hard to prove. And it is something that is 
I almost want to say it's scarring to the soul, you know? No, it is. And then there are all kinds of people who, because there are no marks, they think, oh, you're just being overdramatic about it. And so they're not, and maybe they love you and they support you and they want to be there for you. But they're like, well, but it wasn't that bad. Mm -hmm. And so there was a lot of that that happened in my life of like, well, it wasn't that bad. I mean, Christina, you're just dramatic. You know, you're Mm -hmm. just dramatic. Like, Mm -hmm. and so there was a lot of that, especially because my abuser had built this profile of me that I was a really dramatic person. Um, And so even when I started to talk about what they had done and the negative things that they had that they put me through that I was putting myself through now, people are like, well, it wasn't that bad. Mm-hmm. And that's constantly like, we constantly negate the emotional abuse and neglect of people of, well, it wasn't that bad. Right. I mean, yeah. because it wasn't physical. Right. And there's n- real, no evidence. And it's almost, it's they, it's who said, who said, right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it is very true. So would you say that your music helps in in the healing? And it, did it help in your healing? I mean, where 100%. are you with that? Um, writing helped, uh, whether it was music or um, journaling. So uh, a lot of like woo-woo people will talk online about shadow journaling. And that's actually mm-hmm. a, a psychological thing. Uh, I believe it was Carl Jung who talked mm-hmm. about the shadow self. Um, And that's when I really started to make the most progress with what I had been through, because I would ask myself questions a therapist would never ask me. And I would write down things that I would never say out loud in just word vomit form. Um, And then I do also have a song called um, Monsters. And it's about the monster inside. And there is a lyric in it that says, like, if your words showed on my body, then people would see what kind of monster you are. Yeah. Wow. That's very powerful. Um, so do you, would you say that right now that you are in a good place with all of that? I, for the first time in my entire life, the last few months, I'm in a place where I can look in the mirror and say, I love myself. And I can say that with 100% certainty, knowing that I have things to work on, that I'm not a perfect person. Um, that I have forgiven myself for the toxic traits that I picked up, that I have forgiven myself for all of the things that I felt I had to do to survive. I've forgiven myself for continuing with those traits or personality, um, personality traits or whatever I had. I have forgiven myself for continuing to be that person and not realizing that I needed to make these changes. Um, so I am a work in progress, but I am in a good place. Nina, how old are you again? 28. Unbelievable. Okay. Just wanted everyone to know that. <laughs> it took me till my 40s to get it straight. But anyways, um, I'm so happy that you said that. And and I want to just, again, thank you for just sharing and being vulnerable and telling um, your story and being honest. Yes, it, it's a journey. It's not a final destination. And, um, but for you to say that you love yourself, that's just such a beautiful thing because I think that a lot of women don't love themselves. So it's good that you're not to at a really early age. I think one of the most radical things that you can do is love yourself. Yes. So, you know, you said also that besides you being a songwriter, that you're an activist. And I think it all makes sense because when you mentioned your, 
your, uh, you know, your experiences with uh, the conventions and the politics and all that, that really makes sense. What are some of the things that you feel passionate about when you think about your, your activism? Um, Number one, I am an intersectional feminist, first and foremost, and I love and adore the LGBTQ community. Um, those are two of my really big things. Um, right now there's a lot of hatred towards, towards trans people, especially trans women. And that's really been bothering me a lot. Um, mm-hmm. and then of course with the Black Lives Matter movement, um, that is something that I very early on, uh, was supporter of when I thought I could be fired for saying that. And, and then all of a sudden all of these people and one of the companies that I work for, they're all tweeting about Black Lives Matter. And I was like, no, no, I was, I was here when Kaepernick healed. Like, come on, where, yeah. why, why are we just now getting on board? Like this should have right. been a thing. Yeah. Um, so those are like my two like real issues right now that I'm kind of focused on. And then, I mean, 2020 is just such a crapshoot. It's what's happening now, what's going on, you know, the Supreme Court, this, that um the the vote is is it safe to vote by mail is it not do we go in person like it's 2020 has just been such an like implosion of our political system and some of it has brought really nasty things to light that we can work on and and some of it like we are yeah we just need to work on yeah so nina would you say that people women your are people in general, your age group, do you feel that they're a little bit more vocal than maybe the generation, like my generation? What What is your thoughts on that? Do you feel that like people are more open to say how they feel? Or do you still feel that people are like hiding behind the computer in their phone? Um, I think it depends on the person. I mean, if you look at the waves of feminism from the very beginning, if you look at the women who first wave fought for the vote, If you look at the women whose second wave fought for Roe v. Wade, if you look at the women who fought in the 80s just to be treated equally in a workplace environment, um, there have always been vocal women throughout history. And there have always been women who have supported it kind of quietly or who have felt like they can't say anything because of the other influences in their life. Right. Um, And so there have been brave women throughout history and there will continue to be brave women throughout history. Right. Yeah, absolutely. But do you think your generation, do you feel like your generation is more vocal? I think so. Um, I think, I think it's just fewer fucks given truly. Um, I think we've gotten to a point where, where we're there. I mean, if you look at young women on TikTok, they're like, I'm going to teach you how to line your lips. And we're also going to talk about the massacre of the Uyghurs in China. And it's like, yeah, girl, I love this. This, this energy, this, this female energy. Let's get it. Yeah. You're, you know what? That's what I was trying to get at because yes, you guys are, <laughs> you definitely are not afraid to speak your mind and, and uh, stand up for yourself. So yes, I, I would agree yet, with you. I know so many women who, and, and like they're friends, but we're not as close as we used to be because they just, they're not aware and they don't think about, and they just kind of go through their daily lives. And if it doesn't affect their daily life, then it doesn't, then it doesn't come to mind. And it's sure they, they read the news daily, but 
do they feel it? Are they affected by it? Like, no. So I, mm-hmm. I know some pretty apathetic or some pretty both sides people. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there are also, I just, I know some pretty kick-ass women too. Yeah. I think there's more kick-ass women in your generation than in my generation. I'm just saying, but I mean, we're, I mean, they're all about, they're all, all over the place. And and then if we get to my daughter's generation, those people are just going to change the world. That's all I'm saying. Oh my God. Is she Gen Z? <laughs> Well, she's nine, and I noticed that okay. the nine and the, the what is that? What do you call that? An alpha. Gen oh alpha. my god, I don't even know this. <laughs> yeah, no. Millennials uh, are technically Gen Y. Like yeah. what? We don't. We don't yes. know. It's not that it really matters. Like most studies about generations prove that we have some collective experiences, but it doesn't actually matter as much as people think that it matters. Um, but damn, Gen Z and Gen Alpha, they're going to come for this they, world. Those, those girls, you see them on TikTok, they don't care. They say no. what they want to say, and then they will hound you if you disagree with what? What are you talking about? And they throw each other down, and I'm like, with words, and I'm like, Whoa. Or if you come for them, oh, they'll get they'll back at you. Forget I was it. trained from a very early age <laughs> that you don't make waves. You don't, you don't come back at people. You just say, agree to disagree and you move on. And it has taken me a long time to be like, nah, we're going to do this. Yeah. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Okay. So let's talk about what do you hope to do with your music? I really want to inspire um, women in marginalized communities. I want to create music that, that people relate to. I want to create something that feels important. Um, and I want to get to a place where I can help other people do the same. Um, I want people out there to, to know that somebody else feels what they're feeling. Like I truly believe the great superpower of humanity is empathy. And the more that we have, the greater as a people we are. And one of the best vehicles for empathy is music. Because I can't actually control how people react to the art that I put out there. I I can't control that whatsoever. What your interpretation of my art is, is your interpretation. And I have no control of that whatsoever. Like I remember Elizabeth Gilbert was talking about her book, I believe it was Eat, Pray, Love. Mm -hmm. And a woman came up to her and said, I also got out of an abusive relationship. And Gilbert was like, I wasn't abused. It was just a bad relationship. But what that woman took from her words, she had no control over. For example, um, I am very adamantly uh, anti-gun and I'm pro-gun laws. Mm -hmm. And I can't control some woman listening to my song and thinking, this is why there should be more guns in the household because that's how she survived. I want to come out and say, no, the gun wouldn't have been used if it wasn't around. And statistically, we know that. And it's also Mm -hmm. common sense. But I can't control someone saying, like, this is a pro-gun song. Like, no, it's not. I'd like to come out and flat out say, please don't. But I also can't control someone's interpretation of that. Um, So, I mean, yeah. That's hard. Wait a minute. Let's talk about that. Nina, that's kind of hard. And now you, you, you make, that makes a lot of sense. Because, I mean, how many times have I listened to a song and I'm like, oh, yeah, it's about this. And then when I actually look into it, I'm like, what? Yeah. Yeah. Where did that come from? And how do you as as you being a singer, an artist, a singer songwriter, how how do you process that? Do you say, hey, okay, if 
that's how they want to hear it or are you but you just mentioned you want to tell them this is what the song is about or do you leave it up to their interpretation what are your thoughts about that it depends on the song um if it's propagating something negative then then i'm going to say something um like if i write a love song and people are like oh that means that these negative toxic traits in a relationship are okay i'm like no that was a a vast misinterpretation of that metaphor we need to sit down and talk about that (laughs) um but if it's just someone saying like i relate to this in this specific way i don't want to take away from that because um i have had that taken away from me where i've related to a song and it's meant a lot to me and then i found out that it wasn't about that at all right like we've all had that experience and it's Mm -hmm. kind of it hasn't ruined the song for me, but it's taken away some of the magic. And so right. it's about that balance. Like if it's something that I feel like would be harmful or directly goes against my values as a person, I'm going to say something. But however people take your art is just how people take your art. You just yeah. put it out there and you hope that you put out more good than bad. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, all right. So the last question I wanted to ask you was, what is something you want to tell a woman? that may have had similar experiences as you. And we're talking about the emotional uh, abuse that you went through. Um, What would you tell them? You're not crazy. It's not in your head. It happened. It happened. And it's not fair. And you didn't deserve that. But you now have to unpack that. And, and that's not a job that you wanted and it's not one that you deserve to have, but it is your responsibility. And so uh, please seek help, seek therapy. If you cannot afford therapy, I'm begging you to try the shadow journaling. It's done wonders for me. Do both. Um, you're not crazy. It's not in your head. And taking these first few steps, you will learn to love yourself. Be really careful about how you talk to yourself. Make sure that you're not gaslighting yourself in your head. Make sure you're not negating your emotions. Allow yourself to feel. Um, and treat yourself like you would treat a loved one. And soon you'll start to really love yourself. I promise. Because you deserve to. You deserve real, true love from those around you and from within. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> I'm so happy that you said that. Um, Nina, obviously, the, the only, it wasn't the only reason to bring you on here was that you, with your song, but I know that you had a story to tell. And I hope that those who are listening, first of all, seek you out and, and listen to your music, your voice. I can't say it enough. You, you put out another video. You were singing with somebody else. And I was like, oh, yeah, I was just around like do not know okay first of all I I said I said is that her wait a minute is that her and I'm like oh my god it is gorgeous the this your voice is gorgeous so uh, one question I didn't ask you beforehand that I want to ask you now is what are you doing to make yourself known here girl like are you like going on American Idol what's up with this we need to get you Uh, out there I auditioned for American Idol and they turned me down flat. So what? flat. Yes. Oh my oh, God. Man. I was like, the producer didn't even look at me. I did my thing and they, she didn't even look up. She was like, and you're dismissed. Like it was, yeah, no. Um, so we've, we've been that route. Uh, I'm just putting stuff out. I'm still in school. I'm still learning. I'm learning a lot of really productive things. Uh, I have some great professors 
So right now it's just kind of about um, putting things out on social media, hoping the right people see it and enjoy it. Um, and slowly starting to work towards an EP right now. So, so kind of doing the independent thing. Um, I'm hoping next week I'm going to have out like a really good Fleetwood Mac cover. And the week after that, I'm really hoping to have out another original song. I keep debating with myself as to which original song comes next, <laughs> because what do you follow counting with, right? Like right. Do you follow it with a love song or a song that's about grief or something that's completely off the beaten path. So what do you do? Yeah. And I'm, I'm leaning, I'm leaning towards the latter. So. Oh, I'm so happy for you. I hope so. I hope big things happen for you. I really think you deserve it because of just, you have an amazing voice and you're talking from the heart and I urge everyone to go listen to it on her Instagram page and you're going to feel it. She sings with emotions. And to me, that really, that that's so powerful. So where can we find you? Okay. So I am on SoundCloud, um, Nina Blue Music. You can listen to the full song. Um, I'm on Instagram, Nina Blue Music. That's N-I-N-A-B-L-U Music. I'm also on TikTok and that's a little more silly. And I'll do things like um, duets, like the Anastasia duet that I did that people were like, wow, this is amazing. And I was like, okay, <laughs> all right. It was. <laughs> um, I also talk about like, hey, I ran three miles today and I got out of bed, even though I have severe depression and I'm just going to give myself a gold star for the day. You know, it's just, TikTok is so random. It's great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's just such a great outlet. And mm-hmm. then, so I'm also on YouTube, but I'm, but I'm not using that as much. I might use that the more I start to do covers and stuff and mm-hmm. try and put some live performances up. But uh, so far, just counting is up on it. Okay, everybody follow her on Instagram, TikTok. She is freaking amazing. And her voice is just beautiful. So Nina, thank you so much for coming here and being vulnerable and telling your story. I really appreciate you doing that. Thank you so much for having me, Lisa. This has been great. Oh, great. I'm so happy. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Until next time. Bye.